0: I died typing mid-sentence in a t-shirt and boxer shorts in front of my computer. I was about halfway into the second act of a screenplay. I wish I had been working on the novel in my head when I died. I hadn't worked out the details, but wanted it to be about why I had become a writer in a family in which my father and mother hardly spoke to each other. Yes, it was another novel about a dysfunctional family, but that was what was expected. Of a contemporary novel that hoped to be taken seriously i wish i'd been working on anything other than that stupid movie right before i died my last thought was i wonder who they're going to get to rewrite me richard viteri the writer's afterlife back to bookish a literary podcast i'm paul and today we have another sunday ramble in this episode we'll cover several different topics rather than the typical one including when it's okay to give up reading a book some of my thoughts on audiobooks and a recommendation of one that may have flown under the radar that you really need to read I call it a Sunday ramble, but most of you won't see it until Monday at the earliest because I've been a little preoccupied with some major world developments, not the least of which is the impending release of a new Bruce Springsteen album and the fact that Arsenal continues to try to lose every game possible in the Premier League. Also, in case you're keeping count, this will be the 20th episode of Bookish as we enter month three. Of the podcast, and I just want to thank everyone who's been listening so far. Now, on with the show. It's a sad and simple fact. That there are more books in print today than any of us will ever be able to read in one lifetime. And this doesn't even begin to take into account the number of new books published every year. I know that I personally will be unbelievably fortunate to live long enough to read every book that's currently on my bookshelves before I shuffle off this mortal coil. Faced with such a finite amount of time in which to read, one question that has to be asked. Is at what point is it acceptable to give up on a book and move on to another one for some of you this may not be an issue at all but for me it's always been a personal defeat when i didn't finish a book even if it was a bad book but as the years have gone on that view has changed a little bit one of the things that's helped me immensely was reading an interview a few years ago in the Toronto Globe and Mail with librarian and author Nancy Pearl. You may have heard of her because of her NPR series Book Lust or the books that came from that series. She gave the following suggestion and I'm quoting her here from the article in the Globe and Mail. On the spur of the moment with no particular psychological or literary theory in mind to justify it I developed my rule of 50. Give a book 50 pages. When you get to the bottom of page 50, ask yourself if you're really liking the book. If you are, of course, then great, keep on reading. But if you're not, then put it down and look for another. She continues. This rule of 50 worked exceedingly well until I entered my own 50s. As I wended my way towards 60 and beyond, I could no longer avoid the realization that, while the reading time remaining in my life was growing shorter, the world of books that I wanted to read was, if anything, growing larger. In a flash of, if I do say so myself, brilliance, I realized that my rule of 50 was incomplete. It needed an addendum. And here it is. When you're 51 years of age or older, subtract your age from 100, and the resulting number which of course gets smaller every year, is the number of pages you should read before you can guiltlessly give up on a book. As the saying goes, age has its privileges. And the ultimate privilege of age, of course, is that when you turn 100, you are authorized by the rule of 50 to judge a book by its cover. Pearls is certainly an interesting reading rule to live by, and I tried it for a while. But then I had my own realization, and that's that I typically know well before page 50 if I like a book or not. I mean, it's true that some only really get going once you reach the middle, but even those show enough glimpses of what's to come to make you want to keep reading. I live by more of a rule of 25. Unless, of course, the book came highly recommended with advance warning that it starts slowly. I think I have mentioned before that this was the case for me and the first chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I also have to admit that when it comes to abandoning a book, I actually find it harder with the classics. Every year, I start Ulysses all over again, hoping it will somehow click for me. And every year, I bail before page 20. The thing is, I feel bad enough about quitting that I try again year after year because after all, Hemingway and Sylvia Beach both loved it. So there's gotta be something I'm missing. With the critically acclaimed books and other bestsellers of today, I feel no such guilt, however. I quit Wolf Hall 10 pages in and have no regrets at all. I think I quit the girl on the train midway through page two. So clearly it's the older classics that matter to me. And with the hindsight that comes with age, My commitment to reading all the way through even bad books was kind of stupid all along because reading is supposed to be enjoyable, unless, of course, you're having to do it for a college class. Other than that, you should never force yourself through a book just because someone else says you should or because you think you will be less well-read if you don't. So what about you, dear listener? Do you slog your way through every book you start out of principle as much as enjoyment or do you bail after chapter one if it's not a page turner? Feel free to share your thoughts. There should be a button somewhere on this page where you can actually leave me a voicemail message. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but then I'm often technologically challenged. That's why I like books. After the break. I'll share some of my thoughts on audiobooks, and for the record, I still haven't finished Ulysses. It may come as a surprise to some of you, given that my love for print books and book collecting is well known that I actually really enjoy audiobooks, at least a lot of the time. To be honest, I hadn't given it a lot of thought until a brief interaction with one of my favorite local booksellers when we were discussing Elizabeth Costova's novel, The Historian. If you've ever read it or ever seen it, which you probably have because it was a huge bestseller, you know that it's 600 plus pages. And every time I started it, I just couldn't get through the first 100 pages. Yes, I know, I violated my own rule of 25. But it was good enough in parts that I wanted to keep going. Well, then one day at the library, I discovered the audiobook. And the audiobook was amazing. I can't remember who the narrator was. And it's not the one they have on Audible. With Joanne Whaley Kilmer. Or maybe it's Joanne Whaley now. Since she and Val Kilmer are no longer married. It was the earlier version. But it was excellent. And I mentioned this to my friendly bookseller. Who promptly told me. That audiobooks aren't reading. Now I will freely admit that. In a narrow technical sense. She's absolutely right. You don't read an audiobook. It's read to you. But as I've talked about many times, the key is the story. And for millennia, people sat around campfires and were told stories. Now we get them in books. And we get them in audiobooks. I tried to make my case to her, but the line was getting long behind me. So maybe she'll listen to this podcast and soften her view a little bit. So what are some of the benefits of audiobooks? Well, first of all, in keeping with my earlier statement that unless I live to be 150, I'll never get through all the books in my bookshelves, audiobooks allow you to be reading, for lack of a better word, at times you otherwise could not. For example, for a great many years, I had a brutal commute to and from work every day. Rather than spend three hours round trip listening to talk radio idiots or the same old sports news, I used the time to reduce my ever-growing reading list. And for those of you working in the ubiquitous cubicle farms of corporate America, an audiobook can stave off death by boredom in a way nothing else can. Also, if you're in doubt about purchasing a particular book, an audiobook checked out from your local library or a sample downloaded from Audible can either confirm that it's worth a hardcover purchase, that you should wait on the paperback, or that you should pass altogether. But you have to be careful that the book just doesn't seem bad because of the person reading the audio book. With audio, the narrator is of utmost importance. And that brings me to the thing I love most about audio books. I had already read all of the Harry Potter books, Kerouac's On The Road multiple times, and The Great Gatsby, before I ever listened to them on audio. But listening to Jim Dale, Matt Dillon, and Tim Robbins, respectively, read these great novels, added a whole new dimension to my experience of the books. In fact, in the case of On the Road, Matt Dillon did such an indescribably amazing job reading that book. I mean, it was almost like listening to jazz, hearing him read it. That when I read it now, in the print version, I hear his voice in my head. If you don't listen to another one, you need to find that one. And if you've never done so, give audiobooks a try. They can be a great addition to your reading life. Finally, a feature I hope to add to more episodes and not just the Sunday rambles. A recommendation for a book that you may have missed. Either because it didn't get the hype that some of the new bestsellers get or just because it got lost in the shuffle of the hundreds of thousands of books that come out every year. Yes, at least hundreds of thousands. The first one that I want to recommend to you is The Writer's Afterlife by Richard Viteri. It's the one that I used the quote from at the beginning of this episode. Here's part of the blurb from the jacket cover. The Writer's Afterlife tells the story of Tom Chillo, a 44-year-old writer on the verge of fame who dies suddenly and finds himself transported to the place where all writers are sent after they die. After mingling for a while with the Eternals, including Shakespeare, Tolstoy and Keats, he learns that his true peers in this new world are all haunted by the same regret. They never achieved the fame they felt they deserved during their lifetime. However, every writer has one final chance to return to Earth for exactly one week to convince someone to set the wheels in motion, to give their life's work, Widespread notoriety The trick is to come up with the perfect plan Now as a book lover and a reader and a writer and one who really enjoys books about books and books about writers This one hooked me from the very beginning. This was never going to be One of those I need 25 pages to see if I like it. I knew I would like it just from the jacket blurb and I did I read it in one sitting and I've read it several times since then. It's a wonderful read filled with both poignant and hilarious takes on great authors memorable characters magical realism of the best kind and a protagonist in Tom Chillo who you'll be rooting for from beginning to end. It's also in more than just a subtle way An insightful commentary on fame and the links we'll go to in order to achieve it so check it out you won't be disappointed thanks again for listening be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and if you feel so led click on the support this podcast button to learn how you can help us out keep on reading